All right. So I have a thought experiment for you. Okay. Um, we were talking about this, me and some friends were talking about the idea of if you set up your own experiment where you ask uh, a bunch of people to pray for one hospital and not the other hospital, um, would you see an increase in statistical, um, maybe not success, but uh, positive outcomes? Yeah, outcome in the hospital that you have big group of people praying for mm. um, because you you are doing it for not not moral reasons right but the people who you have asked to pray are doing it with a sincere heart so would you see a difference between two hospitals if one hospital is receiving lots of prayers and the other one isn't and would would those prayers be answered because of the intent of the prayers? The people praying. Yeah. Both you who set it up. That is interesting. You know, uh, wow. That I like this one because this is very similar to the Ryan Hamilton happy face bit where he's talking about the guy who prays individually for each member of his sports team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh. Oh, that's just such a classic bit. So let's uh, let's apply logic to God and to prayer, assuming that our faith is actually spot on and we don't misunderstand anything. Okay. Cause, Which you know, is not the case. It is not the case. But just on, like, if if prayer, prayers get answered and God can be swayed, and I say swayed, but... We have scriptural examples of where Abraham bargained or said, but what if there were only 10, right? Yeah. Talking about protecting the saloon. So we know that there's a, there, there's some back and forth. So, wow. My instinct says that there could be a statistical increase, but it feels so wrong. It does feel wrong. Moral. And it feels immoral to... To set up the experiment. Exactly. Which is why it's hard to know because you have to compromise your values in order to figure it out. But it's such an interesting idea because the power of prayer is something I have a testimony of. Um, I think I think that if a bunch of people prayed for the same hospital, for one hospital and not the other, there would be a difference you would see numbers change yeah um i think that's true and scientific people those who um are like looking for the underlying cause of god which i know that that's not what they're mentally trying to do but that's kind of what science does in my mind is look for the ways in which god acts i bet you they could they would say that the increase in prayer created an increase of awareness that could have caused more people to visit, that those visits, uh, social has such a positive impact on the healing process. You know, I could see all of those things happen. 
Yeah. It would be interesting to see, to set it up and see testing God is just so risky. The only place we're asked to test him on is with tithing. You know, it says, prove me, prove and pay tithe and then see what happens. But, um, I want to say, yeah, and then do it just, you know, just to say, yeah, let's not, not really do it, but to have it be a real thing. But every time I go down that path, it, it's so wrong with it. It's blasphemous. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why it stays. That's why it stays as a thought experiment. Yeah. So what, um, what would some of the positive outcomes look like? Do you think? Well, it wouldn't just apply to each patient and their health. I think. You know, because in the same way you were talking about how scientists try to figure out the underlying things that God is, has his hand in, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, it's not, not necessarily going to be a, a miracle that is granted, but a, you know, people receive revelation maybe on you know maybe somebody is prompted to donate to the hospital yeah uh maybe there's some extraordinarily fortunate you know um thing where the hospital was able to to um acquire some medical equipment that they you know had been trying to to get or uh they have a few surgeons come on who, uh, they needed more surgeons, you know, like yeah. there's, there's all kinds of blessings that are, you know, inside. And then there's the general comfort of patients. And when you're in crisis or when you're in the hospital, comfort is a huge deal and feeling the comfort of the Holy ghost. Yeah. That makes sense. So. Can we talk about why it's wrong? Sure, yeah. Because that, I think that might be even more interesting, why it feels so wrong to set up an experiment to essentially put God on trial. Yeah. Mm. The whole purpose of us being down here is to learn how to be agents unto ourselves and become more like God and to exercise faith, have that faith turn into a testimony or so, so you get, got faith turns into action, action proves the faith over time or, and then you get to a point where you no longer have, you know, it's not faith anymore. You have a knowledge, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know my life is better with Sarah. I had faith when I asked her to marry me that my life would be better. Well, now I have all this evidence. So it's not a um, faith anymore. So in, in doing that experiment, it's not going to increase faith. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not, um, mm, is that true? Well, so those who act are acting on faith. Yeah. The evidence you collect, who is that going to go to? Who it's going to, is it going to go back to the people who are praying? They would be offended if you, you know, come back to them and say, Hey, here are the results of the experiment I didn't tell you about because I needed your faith, unbiased faith. Yeah, and I guess, but 
being someone who sets up the experiment, can you have faith that it works? Because if I were to do this experiment, I have faith that it would help people. So would it, so, okay. So for you setting it up, you, you have an expectation and see, this is where that first premise of the assumption that we understand God comes into play. Cause when I was a kid, I, I, I used to do tests to God. I used to look at, I remember so clearly looking at an orange across the table and making a little statement in my head saying, you know what, if God exists, that orange is going to come to my hand. And then I just kept waiting for it to come to my hand because I knew God existed and it didn't happen. I was like, huh? Well, I wonder why it didn't work. It never occurred to me that, oh, God doesn't exist. It was just assumed that God did exist. And in my little kid mind, that orange should have floated to my hand. And I just kept waiting for it to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's, it's different though, because the principle of prayer working, that's a, that nowhere in scripture does it say you can make an orange float to your hand, but you can move a mountain with the faith of a mustard seed. Right. So, oh, this is a good one. And you guys came up with this one? Uh, mutual on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, I would like to hear what other people think on it because I think I think overall, if you if you th- there are times where we call from uh, the congregations of our nation, uh, regardless of religion, base, you know what what sects you belong to, we call uh, everybody will pray for something like for one thing. And I truly believe that that has a huge impact. Yeah. I, I mean, here in Boise, we, we've prayed for a relief of a drought. And I remember that coming and that, that one was like, wow, that was a, that was a quick one. You know, we didn't have to wait very long. And then other times I remember praying for relief of a drought when I was growing up and it took a long time. Yeah. But that might have just been my impatient little kid self. So here's the problem. When you're trying to use a trial of faith as a measurement, you have to wait until you die and you get to the judgment bar and you can find out all the stuff to yeah. know if you were right or not. Yeah, because we don't understand. We can't even come close. And the answer would be so much harder to you, you wouldn't be able to pick apart any, any of the results, any of the outcome of this experiment because God works in such a way. I think some prayers would be answered. I think some people's faith and their faith is strong and is not going to be discounted completely based on the fact that another person has ill intentions or immoral intentions because if you know that that i felt that they're really yucky Mm -hmm. but they've they've collected or attracted a huge congregation and those those members of that congregation have as a whole have done a good work and yet 
you know, and I'm not going to go into specifics because I think you can find them in every single religion and that's just not fair to pick out one or two, but we'll say a leader, I'll, I'll make it as generic as possible. A leader of a group of religionalists had, does something immoral and lives an immoral life while calling upon others to do the right thing and to do and to lead out in the community and pray and to do good things. Yeah. I don't think the fact that he's the leader discounts the good work that the individuals who participated in his invitation did. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's a thing because God doesn't, he's not a, if we're, yeah. See, I hate trying to speak for God. Yeah. I don't want to, but can't, can't go there, but yeah. we, we still have to, we will have consequences. Yeah. If we run that experiment, you know, or if somebody ran that experiment, they are going to have the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And those consequences, again, we don't understand God, so we don't know what that looks like, but you know, there are. You could imagine, you know, maybe, maybe you're struck dumb in the way that you can't even, you can't even get the results, you know, like it, things happen so that you can't get the results of your experiment or, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's, it's hard. Eh? You can't, you can't speak for God. So, but it is an interesting, very interesting inquiry and you know uh, i have friends who like they'll send me articles where it's like um proof of the flood from the bible and mm. i don't read it because i don't i don't need scientific proof for my faith that's kind of goes against faith you know and yeah and then i also have uh we have some relatives actually and extraordinarily smart uh, one teaches biology and uh, I had a conversation with her a decade or so ago about the relationship between science and faith and at the time she said something to the effect of well there is no conflict because one is faith and one is knowledge and I was like oh that's interesting and then I pushed back and I said but doesn't a scientist have to have faith in order to act? And she, she was absolutist, like, nope, a scientist does not need faith in order to act and to inquire and to hi have hype. Mm. But I was like, well, why would they, why would they act if they didn't think they could gain more understanding? You know, isn't that yeah. faith in their ability to learn? And the, you know, it came down to semantics, I think, but I, I, uh, I don't have a problem with not, I, I like science. I love the, the mysteries of the universe, if you will. And I do know that my understanding of both science and God is limited. I, I'm not an absolutist at all, except for this statement that I absolutely believe that there's a God. Yeah. So that's, that's the foundation that I start off with. And I believe God wants us to understand his creations. 
So I believe that we can gain more insight and knowledge. And I don't think it's wrong to think about on and figure out how his creations work. And I think of our prophet, um, and the work he did with hearts, you know, back then they didn't do, they, they didn't have a way to keep the body having, they used to believe that if you touched the heart, it would stop working. Yeah. So what, what a blessing to keep striving for more light and knowledge. Yeah. Okay. I've got, go ahead. I've got another unrelated uh, thing and I don't know where it will go, but okay. I found it very interesting and also hilarious. And then I got to go. All right. So Emily asked me the other day out of nowhere, we're just sitting on the couch and she goes, how often do you think about the Roman empire? And, and I sat there and I immediately delved into my mind and I went, okay, that's one, that's two last week. It's another two. And I said, well, maybe once a week, but then some weeks I'll think about it twice and some weeks I won't think about it at all. So I eventually came to the outcome that I think about the Roman empire on average about five times a month. And I said, I finally got to five times a month and she goes, that is insane. I never think about the Roman empire. And apparently she had seen this video of a girl saying, all men think about the Roman empire and, and women don't. And so I was like, do you think about the Roman empire? And she says, no. And I bet you she does. And she does not realize she is. Well, here's the thing. She then asked me, she then said, well, what do girls think about the Victorian era? And then I was like, yeah, but I think about the Victorian era all the time, even more than I think about the Roman empire. And then she's asking, why do I think about the Roman empire? And that's, a, that's that very interesting. interesting. Yeah. So I texted Caleb and I said, how often do you think about the Roman empire? And he said, a couple times a week. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think he thinks about it more than I do, but me and Caleb have brought up the Roman empire multiple times in our just personal discussions because we like to go we like to do thought experiments and there's a lot of things to learn from history mm-hmm. and the romans did a lot of um did a lot of things that we're able to reference and compare to you know modern day yeah and and so he responded and he said how does it make you feel and so i thought for a minute and after about a minute I texted stronger and smarter because that's how it makes me feel. And I think about the Roman empire, I'm stronger and smarter than them, which is interesting because I have, I have more knowledge. I know more, I can reference history. And I, I said, and he says, me too. Why? And, and so I'm thinking, why do we think about the Roman empire and why does it make us feel stronger and smarter? And I also want to know your opinion. How often do you think about the Roman empire? A lot. Yep. And the funny thing is the when you ask, so the last thing I just thought about, and it probably a good 
good two hours worth of thought on this one thing. And it was the fact that Roman numerals, there's no symbol for zero. <laughs> so I kept trying to figure out how could they even do math? Yeah. Because there's no representation of zero. How do you how do you represent nothing? And then that got me thinking about it is it's so foreign to me. How can I how I could what is gonna happen in another period of time that everyone's like, well, how could they possibly do X when they didn't have this simple concept? Well, so yeah, in the future, yeah, we we've overlooked something so large, yeah, just like the Romans overthought. Over no zero, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And so you you just very recently thought of the Roman Empire. Thursday, I had a good two hours of just trying to figure out how they could do, like, when they say, well, I had Roman numeral four sheep, and I sold two, ate one, and I can't find the other one, so I have, ah, uh, I have what sheep? How do, they, they couldn't denote zero. zero. So how do they send, how do they communicate that written you know they say how many you have and that one is gone so it's a, it's just they basically just do the math you just have to say minus one it's it's mm. so you would do like roman numeral one minus one you know but yep. i don't know their i don't know how their <laughs> yeah. their math right that's hilarious in in programming, we have a concept uh, called null, N-U-L-L, mm. where we just say it's undeclared. Yeah. Right? It's not zero. We're saying we haven't, we haven't assigned a value. Yeah. It could have one. It could also not have one. And it's just null. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's as close as I could get with modern day Roman. Yeah. That they would just have like a null. It would just be. I have null sheep. <laughs> I have undeclared, there are no Roman numerals of sheep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they function. I mean, the Roman Empire was, yeah, it was like revolutionary. The the aqueducts and their, the cement and the the empire and how it expanded. I think about it multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. Just and I and you know what I do think everybody thinks about it. They just don't trace it back to the Romans. Okay, you know, the yeah. Gregorian calendar. You know, I I know it's a religious calendar, but uh anyway, the the months of the year, the you know Octavius and you know, there's just and I I see Octavius and that's not right either, but. We we have the roots of words and it's just all over the place. But but maybe I that's think, not the point. Yeah, I think I think the idea is that maybe how often do you realize you're thinking about the Roman Empire? I realize I'm thinking about the Roman Empire the average five times a month, more depending on the month. See, I had not ever thought about it until you asked. Yeah. 
and I had just had that two hours yeah. of thought. So when we brought it up in our last podcast, we talked, we brought up the Romans and how, how, you know, what the concept of, uh, taking away others agency by the command of God and, and you said something about the Roman empire, I forget what it was, but, but that was one of the ones that I counted and we, we just, it just, it slipped into our conversation. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so that, that just got me thinking about the Roman empire. So, so here's the next question. How does it make you feel? The go, go down to the base kind of emotions, feelings. Okay. Roman Empire, how do you feel? So, um, I, I actually have two emotions. One is kind of a curiosity or, or, uh, uh, fascination, like mm -hmm. curiosity. And the other one is kind of a contentment. It makes me feel content that I'm where I'm at compared to the Romans. So yeah. I feel it's almost like, um, well, at least I'm not in the Roman empire, but then again, you know, one of my, okay. So man, I think about them a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, my shoes the other day, mm -hmm. my, uh, the, I have Keens H2O sandals that I wear. They're my daily, my daily wear. Yeah. And I was just thinking how similar these are to the Roman sandals. Oh yeah. So that's funny. And Emily said, why, why did this come up? Emily saw a video and then she was like, is that true? So she, sh so she asked me and she thought I was insane that it was true. And since then we've been asking everyone we come across to, you know, to find the, find the answer. We've, we've talked to one guy out of probably five or six guys who didn't think about the Roman empire on a, then there's the Victorian era, which which how compared to the Roman Empire, from what it sounds like, you don't think about the Victorian era nearly as much as the Roman Empire. No, I would probably say hardly at all unless I'm in a good book. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And for me, I think about the Victorian era maybe more than I think about the Roman Empire. But that's because I'm in a position, I'm in a relationship with somebody who thinks about the Victorian era and with somebody I'm writing letters to somebody I'm, uh, dancing with somebody on a regular basis. And, you know, you think about the big dresses and you think about going to balls and, and you think about, uh, those kinds of relationships back then in the Victorian era. So that's why, that's why it comes up for me. Um, and she also said, do you know what the, the triangle waistcoat shirt factory fire is? Do you know that? So where all the people died because they locked in the workers and the cotton goes up really quick. Yeah. Some, so. something like that. Yeah. I had never heard of it, Okay, but that was another one. Emily was like, I'm pretty sure girls think about that all the time huh. because she thinks about it. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. You should ask her what the most common way a woman would die outside of childbirth was. It's horrible. Do you know? Uh-uh. What is it? Well, okay. So this 
now that we have the internet, we should probably look this up, but it was that their dresses would catch on fire from trying to cook. Wow. So they would get too close to the open flame. Mm-hmm. While they're cooking. And... Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's false. I hope that's false. That's an interesting maybe um, fact. Uh, so I could totally see my, like, you know, some high middle school teacher back, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago is like, tells my brother who then tells me. Yep. And I just believe it because, you know, Snoops wasn't a thing. And you also want to believe things that are cool. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not cool, but, but it's like, oh, that makes sense. Right. And so, and so you rationalize that and, and then, you know, that's a very interesting fact. So, you know, who knows how many of those, I know I have some interesting facts in my head that I'm like, oh yeah, believe it or not, such and such, such and such is probably not true. Yep. Because it's like, it's too interesting. We, we used to have an entire TV show series dedicated to, uh, it was called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's funny. Yeah. Thinking about that. I, that wouldn't work today because as soon as they would do the premise, someone would break out their phone and go, nope, not true. Or, oh yeah, that's verified. Mm-hmm. We used to grab that book. You know, there is the Ripley's Believe It or Not and the Guinness World Records. Oh yeah. Just elementary school, grab that book, sit on the floor and, and gather around as we flip through it. And we see the longest toenails and the you know, believe it or not, there's, you know, this fact and yeah. it was, it was fun. The Ripley's believe it or not. Yeah. Well, that was fun, Hyatt. Thanks for bringing up the Roman empire and testing the premise of prayer on a hospital. Yeah. There one, one last thought on the hospital thing. A lot of it could be things that could have happened that then didn't happen that were bad. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I think it can't be measured in mortality correctly. Mm-hmm. So I think we should pray for those that are in need, but I do also believe that we're supposed to pray specifically. Yeah. So, yep. But if somebody asked me to pray, will you please, uh, ask a special blessing upon Saint, you know? For the next period of time. Yeah. I wouldn't even ask why. I would just be like, oh, absolutely. You know, whatever reasons you have for asking me that, I I will, you know, with specific intent rather than saying, oh, please bless everyone who's struggling in the world. So, yeah, it is. I think we can say that it's not moral to test God with that intent. Yeah. But it is interesting. It is. Awesome. Thanks, I Yeah, thank you.